Hi, and welcome to the Voice of 5G podcast. It's a podcast from Ericsson with me, Paul Cowling. And me, Janina Taunant. Hello, Janina. Oh, here we are again. Here we are again. It <laughs> um, doesn't feel like yesterday since we were in the studio. <laughs> yes. And how nice it is to be in the studio and actually see you as we record. This, yeah, this is, this is great. This is such a difference from the uh, pandemic times. Yes, it is. And we are sitting here in a silent room that we've occupied in our office, which is great. Not very silent, but it's... Not, silent. Uh, Not in here. <laughs> But it does have this fantastic audio screening around the room to dampen the sound. So it's a fantastic place for us for doing recording like we're doing now. Yes, we should take a picture. Remind that later. We should. So people can see how we are doing this. So we're continuing to talk about Mobile Congress. So this is part three of our four part Mobile Congress series. Although I'd challenge that and say we're here to talk about what did we learn at Mobile World Congress about 5G and and what's happening in the industry. What was that's hot? Really, what it's all about? Yes. What was hot at Mobile World Congress 2023? Yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about today. One of the hot topics, particularly around 5G. Exactly, because there was a lot of other stuff that was hot at Mobile World Congress, but we're yeah, we're course. focusing on the 5G stuff and. Probably more focused on what Ericsson yeah. was doing there. The coffee was hot. <laughs> the coffee was also hot. <laughs> so this time, this might be a little bit of a special topic because it's all about monetization. And monetization was talked a lot about this year. The industry analysts are, of course, very interested, eager to know if the service providers are actually making money when they are investing in 5G. Yeah, I listen I listen to a lot of talks about, about 5G monetization. And I think if you wind back to a, to a bigger perspective, you know, then a lot of countries have adopted 5G. They've invested lots of money in building out networks. And we as consumers are changing over from 4G to 5G in many markets. I think today, if you want a subscription, you probably get a 5G subscription and a 5G device. That's where the standard is. And operators get a lot of benefit from using 5G instead of 4G in terms of the efficiency of the use of their spectrum and there's the cost per bit or it's being able to bring down their production costs for actually delivering data to, to users. But of course... Businesses are always looking to be able to get return on their investment. They can't run at a loss. They want to find ways of making new services or increasing their revenues. What can I do with my network today and get paid for that I couldn't do with my network before I had 5G? So 5G monetization. And so it's a very interesting topic as, as well, what's 5G being used for mm. apart from the things that we used 4G for, which was mostly variations on mobile broadband which is to say the things we do with smartphones, mm. apps and all, and the lots of things we do with smartphones, of course. But what else do we do with 5G? What's the new? What's new? And in the last episode, and we've talked about it before on the podcast, we mentioned fixed wireless access. Yeah, and that's another hot topic. <laughs> now I got it, yeah. <laughs> and let's translate, you know, what is fixed wireless access? Yes. It's basically home or enterprise broadband 
using the mobile network instead of having fibre to your home or fibre to the curb or some other variation of giving you cable-based internet. And in some ways it's a step backwards because the mobile phone gives you as an individual access to the internet, whereas a broadband connection to your home gives you as a family or you as a building access to the internet. And in a multi-tenant building like an apartment block, Maybe there's a fibre into the basement and then there's, it's cabled in, into each apartment. So in some ways it's a step backwards, but of course having a cabled connection to the internet is actually a bit of a privilege if you look at it on a global basis. In many, many markets, not everyone gets access to the internet through a cable because the cables aren't there. And in other markets, maybe your cable connection is hasn't been upgraded for, for some time or you're not happy with the service and there is no competition, so the offer to the consumer is not very good. So there's a lot of different uses and cases where it's interesting to be able to use the mobile network to deliver a broadband service. And often it's very attractive for the operator because in dense urban areas, they have all this spectrum, they have a lot of users on the spectrum and the spectrum is fairly full with traffic. But if you go out to the suburban areas and the rural areas, then they've still got the spectrum because they bought a national license for the spectrum. And they may be lighting up the spectrum because they want to give the like fast throughput, the fast data rates that people want. But it's not that heavily loaded. So you can actually add fixed wireless access users that are using it for home broadband and fill up, use this underused spectrum and you can actually make money out of spectrum which was otherwise not being used. Oh. So it's better return on investment from a kind of financial point of view. It gives better service to people in those rural and uh, suburban communities. It gives them more choice. And if you look at markets like the US, where there's been a lot of work done with fixed wireless access, a lot of, like the vast majority of new broadband subscribers are actually these days using fixed wireless access onto the mobile network. Is there a difference between using fixed wireless access and just using your phone? Is there a quality of service difference or something like that? There can, there, there can be. Fixed wireless access, and we've had with 4G, like mobile routers that you can in your holiday cottage and get local broadband. And there are different ways of offering fixed wireless access. You could consider that to be fixed wireless access. When you sign up for fixed wireless access, for instance, then quite often they'll make an assessment of like where you live, what kind of quality of service could they offer so that you might... It might be banded in terms of what throughput they can offer. But they can also offer different types of deployment depending on where you are so if you're in a good location then you get it might be a case of we'll send you a box and put it indoors or in on a windowsill or something and have out an outdoor in connection that gives you good performance if you're further away from a base station then to get that best performance you may need to have a, a an installation on the outside of the house which is cabled indoors a bit like putting up a satellite tv antenna used to be so you've got a, an antenna on the outside maybe cabled to a box on the inside or maybe it's an all-in-one unit on the outside. And that maybe needs someone to come to your house and actually fit that for you. So there's a slightly different cost picture depending on that. But you get, because the signal doesn't have to go through the walls, you get a much better signal if it's all fitted on the outside. Of course. And then there is a cost, there is a cost saving for the people or the community having this fixed wireless access instead of having to pay for 5G for, I don't know, the five phones in the families or and plus all connected devices, stuff like that. You get it into one single and then you can use the Wi-Fi when you're home or something like that. Yeah, so there are lots of operators around the world 
and lots of different ways that you can charge for things. Mm -hmm. And one of the things with a fixed broadband connection is that often it uses a lot more traffic than a mobile subscription. You can't use it when you move around. As a family, then everyone probably still wants a mobile device, which they can take with them. Depends on what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people today that do have a fixed cable connection to their home use a fair amount of data on their mobile phone as well, even though when they're at home, they maybe use Wi-Fi and the traffic goes through their home connection instead. But if it's the same supplier for your mobile and for your fixed wireless access... You could imagine a kind of family subscription where it's all bundled together. But it is a separate service, so you don't have to have it from the same supplier. These things, the talk about like the different offerings, that is a big part of this monetization dialogue. What is the way to get paid for the operators or service providers out there, right? Yeah, and, and I think if you were to go and download and look in the mobility report, I know that we've looked at how operators selling capacity, there's a move towards tiering again, so that depending on what speed you want or how much traffic you want, you can pay extra and get more capacity or maybe even an all-you-can-eat package that's a kind of a premium package. So there are there are different ways to pay for it. And uh, we do have, it, as I say, information in things like the mobility report that, that looks at what is a successful operator, what are they doing to actually make money from their 5G investments. Yeah. So should we go into this interview? Best practice, you can yeah. say. Yeah. Interview that you did with Cecilia Attervall, the head of marketing for networks, Ericsson, at Ericsson. Yes. And you talked about monetization a lot. Uh, we did. It was a little bit fortuitous. I, I was, as we discussed in an earlier episode, my day job there was actually working with industry analysts talking about the topics of the day. And we had a very busy schedule. But in one of the breaks there, I was able to, to find a little bit of time with Cecilia and talk about 5G monetization, which is a hot topic for the industry, but it's also a hot topic for the people that work with with our networks. Because obviously, if we want people to invest in 5G, which we do, because we, at the end of the day, that's what we sell, then you know, it's important that we understand and our customers understand what kind of services can I use 5G to deliver. Cecilia, we're at Barcelona, Mobile Congress, and uh, one of the key themes is 5G monetization. So tell us about, you know, what are the key things that we're showing here or talking about when it comes to monetization? Well, one very interesting starting point for our discussions with customers is obviously the new business edition of the Mobility Report that we released some weeks ago. Uh, and, and one of the key points we're bringing forward there is that we have analyzed the top 20 markets where we have a, a solid 5G penetration. And we can now clearly see that in those markets, there is a correlation to an increasing revenue on the operator side. That, again, correlates very nicely with the implementation and installation of 5G. Mm. And uh, what is it particularly that contributes to, to the, the better performance for those operators? So I think it comes down at this point in time to some of the really enhancement to mobile broadband, the, the, the service that we would see for consumers with their mobile phones and other devices. And the successful operators have managed to build in differentiation to their offering. So it's not just, I mean, 
go, don't go down that unlimited lane, but rather thinking about differentiation in terms of like speed tariffs or services packaging and so on. And then besides, you know, paving the way with different kinds of enhanced mobile broadband services is really fixed wireless access that mm -hmm. we see as a major success actually uh, across both uh, mature and, and more emerging markets. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen the things that we have on fixed wireless access, lots of different access points that uh, you know, people can have them on the wall outside or they can have them on the window. They can have the, a, a box that you have in your home at, at house at home with a little app that helps you find the best place to, to put your, to your thing. And, and that's really right. I really, it is an exciting area. And I think especially when we see this explosion on the device side or the CPE, the customer premise equipment, mm. it really paves the way for a number of different, you know, as you said, installations. And it also helps now when we see markets like India going massively with fixed wireless access that we also see a lot of more affordable CPEs mm. coming to market as well. And who's buying fixed wireless access? I think we can see a number of different trigger points. Actually, it's a very good question, but it's obviously a lot of, of households where you would see an, an opportunity instead of, because you're in an area maybe remotely or you can't get fiber or you see the flexibility of having this instead. But it's also with this now, with the 5G performance, it's enabling really a substitute to, you know, having also for small, medium sized enterprises, for businesses, you know, mm. for different kinds of venues that it really, it provides an experience which really makes it an alternative to, to other technologies like fiber. And, and this, I think, is it's, it's clearly coming across also if we look at a market like the US, where the majority of the new subscriptions have actually been provided by fixed wireless access and the mobile operators broadband rather than the cable yep. or or fixed broadband. Yeah, that was I saw that statistic. That was yes. that was kind of one of those surprises. But it really wow, it's it really did, right? It really stuck out like that. You know, the they, I think they had a growth across uh, T-Mobile and Verizon mm. around close to 400% in terms of take up of fixed wireless access. Mm. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Are you hearing anything about private networks? That's one of the areas that also that we touch on when we talk monetization. Yeah. And you and I were talking about that before, so I would like to hear your perspective on that one first. <laughs> I mean, I see, a, I talk to analysts here at the show, and there's a lot of meetings this time around where we talk about, about private networks. And there's been, you know, historically we've talked a lot about private networks for like heavy industries and utilities. Yeah. Um, and now we're seeing also interest in, well, what's the more general? enterprise going to use for IT-based networking rather than what we call operations to technology, OT, OT networks. And then there's this kind of, this should an enterprise build its own network? Mm. And, you know, and there are solutions for, for doing that, but also should an enterprise instead maybe look at working with an operator and doing network slicing, right. um, you can get a, you know, like a virtual private network from an mm. operator. Mm. And lots of interesting use cases around taking network slices out into the community. So if you want a building site and you want to you know, put up a, you've got a construction site, you need temporary coverage with security cameras and you want on-site coverage to be able to do AR, VR things for visualizing the building and things. You can use the network to build a, uh, like a temporary network on-site with a network slice. 
Uh, as, a private, as a private network for you with guaranteed quality of service are the things you need to do. I think that's right. But generally, I think we're at a very interesting point where we're actually showcasing a number of different, you know, enablers from our product portfolio mm. to build networks, virtual or physical, for the enterprise market. And, the, and, and one example, just to say, right again, ahead of Barcelona now, we had some major launches coming out of our network side of mm. the business, and one of them focusing in on indoor solutions. Yeah. And, and, and to be able to really provide offerings across different operators as well, multi-operator support is key. So what we're showcasing here is also with our small sets, with our indoor, the, the dot, uh, Ericsson dot solution, that we can provide now a much more scalable solution, flexible solution for small up to medium-sized you know, venues. And with a very exciting software feature as well that's uh, called precise positioning. So you can do this in a number of different ways. But obviously with, with a possibility to also indoor do position just with the software yeah. on top of our solution. So, uh, so we see a lot, it's a lot of excitement and buzz out there. Thank you, Cecilia. It was great talking to you. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. the 5G monetization area at Ericsson's booth at Mobile Congress, there was a lot of things getting shown. A lot of things about virtual reality, <laughs> Paul. Did you try some? No. Unfortunately, I was a bit really busy to do that, but I did see there was a lot of things happening there with gaming activities mm. and like virtual reality and... And augmented reality. Augmented, augmented and, yeah. reality and, and those types of things. Yep. But those are... When we talk about the differences between 4G and 5G, one of the differences between 4G and 5G is around the better latency performance of 5G. Yes. Uh, and latency, we've talked about before, that's basically how long does it take for things to arrive for things to happen. You can send information at a very high speed. You can send a lot of information in a short amount of time, but what's the reaction time to actually get a response? And gaming is one of the areas which is often used as an example of where it's important that things happen quickly. So you want a very short reaction time when you press the button. Yes. <laughs> there, it's very critical. Like you, you see it immediately. It's not like you... Yeah, it's, you, you know, we talk about things, you know, a lot of things that are on a mobile network are not life and death. But if you're in the middle of a game, maybe it is life and death. <laughs> At least in your brain it is. When you're pressing for all your, all your worth and nothing is happening, then you're just like... Mm. Ah. So yes, gaming use cases. And, and I think if you were, went outside the Ericsson booth and walked around Mobile World Congress, then there are a lot of people also using the similar types of use cases to show how you can use networks. But augmented reality, we've talked previously about enterprise networks using 5G and different ways of doing that. We talked a lot about private networks and 5G. But one of the other things that you can do in terms of, of building a network which is usable for enterprises is actually to give a connection enterprise to a public network, to an operator's network, and give them a network slice or, or network slices that provide them with a network functionality which is just for them or just for the things they want to do. And network slicing is one of the things which is 5G gives you a lot more capabilities than 4G to be able to dynamically set up a slice or take down a slice and to be able to offer different capabilities in, in slicing to a use case or a customer. And we were showing some of those 
on the stand. Yeah, where you have your sort of like your own highway. Yeah, some of them are, are things which a which mobile operator might sell directly to a consumer. We had an example, for instance, when we're at a major motor racing event, when you're sitting there and you want to be able to see what's happening on the other side of the track, or you've got some film clips that you want to upload to your friends and family or put onto social media. But particularly if you want to live watch what's happening in the area that's not just right in front of you, but is being streamed from other parts of the area, you want good quality of service. And this comes back to being able to promise that the video that's being delivered is good quality of service. So it could be that's good quality of service that the people running the sports event sign up and say, hey, I want these video streams to be delivered a good quality of service. Or it could be that you as a user say, hey, give me the package that gives me the best video quality uh, and cost me a few cents more. But I'm fairly sure that the video is going to be good. Mm. So that's one case. Another case of using networks, network slicing, which I think is really interesting. And I've seen related cases, and that's around construction. Mm-hmm. And this is where you go to a construction site. If I'm building some, somewhere, when I turn up at the site, there is nothing. But I, need, I have immediate needs of things I want to do once I start putting expensive machinery on site. I want to be able to have security cameras and remote monitoring of what's happening. I want to be able to couple up for being able to run devices and send information from things that are on site. I want maybe to be able to give people augmented reality or virtual reality to be able to stand on the building site and see where things should be and to be able to visualise what's happening. And that's actually a use case that we've we've seen in Australia, for instance, a company there providing like 3D visualisation of the building that you're building on the building site. Uh, and network slicing is a way of doing that, saying that in this area we're going to give you basically your own private network where you can connect up and you can manage your data, run applications and or whatever that that's within that network with appropriate security and data link or whatever. Some of these use cases, they are quite futuristic, right? As well. But they are on the edge of being something that we see every day. Well, they're kind of futuristic, but they're people are today. It's maybe not commonly done today, but those are the things that people are looking at doing. And again, If you think back to the days of wanting to have a telephone line installed at your home and you ring your telephone operator and they say, <laughs> yes, we'll come in three months' time. Yes. No, that's not the world we're, we're in today. You know, if I've got a team of guys and I'm going to send them to site to work on a building site and somebody says, hey, have you fixed the network yet? And they say, oh, I'll ring. And you, you ring through to your operator and say, hey, I need a network at this location. It's got to cover this these plots of land. Can you give me a service level agreement to say that everything is going to work and it's going to meet those requirements? You need to be able to take that template and say, this is what we can offer. This is what we can guarantee. And yes, it will be there and up and running when you arrive on site on Monday. Yeah. That's the kind of level that you need to be at. It needs to be easy to order. And it, from the order, it needs to be easy to set up, which means you need to take this description and translate it into what does that mean for the network and to be able to map that out into the geography, commit the right resources and all those things. You need to know what you can charge for it as well. Yeah, that's how much is a piece of string. How is it worth for the person that's going to use it? What are they prepared to pay? But uh, that's maybe... 
beyond my level of responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> but we are talking about monetization. <laughs> but we are talking about monetization. <laughs> but that's a way to, to create a value for a customer that's over and beyond just saying, hey, I've, I can go to site with my tablet or my laptop with a SIM card in it or with my mobile phone and I can connect to the public network and I'll be able to do some stuff on site because I don't actually know what the quality of the connection is going to be on site and don't know whether it's going to work for me. Yeah, of course, enterprises, that's an area of where service providers are looking to monetize, like giving these kinds of service to enterprises. But there's also a lot of new consumer stuff beyond what we see every day that is now coming into fruition. And I think our roving reporter Swati Varma has tried some new features when it comes to virtual reality and augmented realities. So shall we listen? to some clips with her. I think one is where she's trying or she's checking some shoes and I know Swati loves shopping. Hi, I'm Swati. I'm Natalia. Natalia. And Natalia, what are you showing us today? So we are showing you today how we can monetize 5G network APIs and we're showing here future-looking use cases. Fantastic. As part of it, we're showing holographic communication Mm -hmm. with quality of service API. So you put on your glasses, you'll see a hologram of me inside the augmented reality. It will be possible for you to interact with the hologram, interact with 3D objects, and then, I mean, all this experience will be with quality of service. And then we'll switch it off. Okay. And you can clearly say if you can see a difference. Wow. That sounds incredible and I'm so excited. So let's try it. Let's try it out. So what do I do? I wear these glasses? Yes, please first wear the glasses. They don't look very heavy. They look super light. They look like sunglasses. Yes, and they are very light. It's not like those bulky glasses that you wear. No, not anymore. Fantastic. So what I will do, I will connect glasses to a phone. Okay. It is 5G powered phone. Okay, I can see like a square line coming up. Because it's augmented reality, uh, this virtual overlay is anchored in real physical world. Meaning that if we will start looking around it, let's, let's just do that. I just walk? Yeah, I mean, and the overlay will stay at the same position. And now if you would turn around, start the most interesting part. Sure. This way? Uh-huh. Can you see the frame? I see it now, yes. Uh, what will happen now, I will be captured by a depth camera and okay. then you'll see a hologram of me. I see a hologram of Natalie, okay. And then when you see a hologram, try walking around the hologram in order to see uh, and get all this 3D experience. Okay. Then I will enable a shoe. Okay. And you'll be able to see a shoe. When you see a shoe, you can put a hand in front of you and you will see all the joints of your hand. It means that your hand going to be detected. And then okay. with your bare hand, you can grab an object like by doing a fist and wow. then move it. Oh, wow. That sounds like a sci-fi. Okay, let's okay. try that. Let's start. Yes, hi, Natalie. I see you in a holograph here. Now let me show you a shoe. Okay. Oh, I see a shoe now. Then I place my hand. Okay, I can see a skeleton in my hand. Looks a bit scary. And then I move away my hand. Please come closer to the shoe. Close to the shoe. And grab it. Oh, wow. It feels like I have the shoe in my hand now. And it's so cool. It's like a beautiful looking black with striped shoe, which I can actually hold in my hand. And it's, I think this is the future of like retail shopping, where you can actually see it. Oh, wow, I see a new shoe now. 
Oh, it's like it's like my hands has got printed on it. <laughs> it's beautiful. Wow. So here I can try different kind of shoes, and I can actually choose which one I like. So I think this is a definitely a future of retail, where you can customize it, you can see it, you can look and feel it without even going outside your house, and you can purchase whatever you like by experiencing it firsthand. Thank you. Thanks. We uh, we haven't talked about that other buzzword. <laughs> what? The metaverse. Yes. Did we not mention that? Goodness. But that's what we're talking about when we're talking about some yes. of these com commercial use cases. Yeah. Is can I carry this virtual existence into wherever I am? Yeah, and it was a very hot topic at the Marvel Congress as well. Mm. Metaverse and metaverse. Yeah, the difference. What, what's it going the, to be in yeah, practice? What is going to yeah look like? And is the one metaverse or are there many metaverses? Yes. So let's listen to Swati do the shopping experience. She also tried out shopping for cars. What would that look like? Hi. Hi. Good morning. So can you stop in telling your name, which area are we in and what are we showing today? So I'm in the time critical domain here at the both with uh, monetization of 5G. And I have the really exciting task to get you as an operator to start exercising XR here and now. Wow. Not for gaming, but in this use case, we're using e-commerce. Great, that's Does even more fantastic. Why not? Yeah. So. I'm always in the game for buying a car. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Right. So what we have here is a headset, regular headset, and a 5G connectivity. So this is what okay. connects you to the 5G. So I'm going to use you as a guinea pig. Okay. Put this on, please. So these are, these are not very heavy. They look a little heavy glasses, but they're not actually. They look, they're pretty light. Yeah. If you stick out your arm, I'm going to put the 5G connectivity thing on your arm like that. And okay. you can tighten the headset in the back a little bit so that you can see better. That sounds right. great. Is it good? All right. I am getting I it there. To... Yes, I can see our beautiful red Volkswagen. In that is an ID4. Isn't it beautiful? Now I'm going to put your hand on the table over here so you don't fall over. Because now I'm going to teleport you into the car. I am amazed. Oh, wow. Okay. I am in the car. And it's beautiful. I can see the dashboard. I can see a beautiful, beautiful steering wheel. I can't hold it, but it's beautiful. Can, yeah, and you can turn around, maybe check out the back seat. Yeah. Wow. And I also see a beautiful view in front of me. Through the car window, exactly. Oh, now wow. Gonna... Oh, my God. I just feel like I'm going to sit down right now. <laughs> oh, no, please so don't. Real. There is no chair. So please don't sit down. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to put you in the back seat now. Now, nice. so now we're in the back seat. I'm a back seat uh, driver now. Oh, exactly. And just imagine that this is, um, you know, a tool for you that uh, to actually buy the car. And I mean, if we look, lean in and look at the leather, yeah. you know, maybe you want to take a couple of purchase decisions. Like, I mean, you don't look like a gray leather person. Maybe you want to have white leather with pink stitching, you know, all of those. How about brown? Shall we do like a brown leather? Yeah, but I don't think that I can get you to the brown leather. But what I can get you back out, yeah, and uh, I can get you to a white car, for instance. Amazing! Yeah. If you oh. take a step back, everybody else can see it also because you're a little short. So yeah. Oh wow! Okay. This looks even more nice. Like the white car is signing out so nicely, and then this makes me a decision whether I would like whether I'm a red car person or a white car person, or even black. You know. Oh, it's my all-time favorite color. Anyways, I just love black. 
You can see I'm dressed all in black. I love it. Ooh, this is <laughs> and fantastic. And now you're in a tunnel. Yeah. I am in a tunnel and I could see the lights going all around me and it's like beautiful. I can see that it just looks like that the car is going to race towards me right now. I'm standing right in front of this beautiful car. It's amazingly beautiful. Right, so I will put you back at the garage and you can go ahead and take oh. off the glasses when you want to. But this was so surreal. Thank you so much. And the good thing with this whole thing is that, you know, it is a time critical 5G network that we have already now. Great. So you as an operator, you get started now to start to realize that. Maybe sell a slice to the car dealership to enable this. And uh, okay. obviously the car dealership, they have to have a relationship with the people doing the content. Uh, we have zero light in this demo. And of course you have to have a little bit of a kit, but you can get going now. And that's the critical part, because when we are talking about the 5G monetization, it's just not about looking, overlooking into future. It's also about seeing the cases which are here and now, and which our, our service providers can actually utilize, especially like this, where they can actually use e-commerce in a more efficient way. And what our partners have told us is using these type of tools for them, the conversion rate from just looking around to uh, actually make a purchase decision increases with 44% using these type of... How many percent is that? 44%. Oh, so 44%. That's amazing. So it is a powerful tool and it's being used already now. So. Thank you so much for bringing it live here at Mobile World Congress 2023. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank nice you. Nice meeting you. She also tested how you can do conferencing in a metaverse reality where you can see people and interact with them in a 3D environment, even though you only see them in 2D on the screen. Ooh. Yeah. Another cool thing that was shown was driving and not any type of driving, but driving over vast distances, Paul. Did you check out any of those? Did you see the driver stations? I saw the driver stations. It's a bit strong to say I checked them out. But that's also one of those use cases which we've talked about before at early, in earlier years at Barcelona. And one of those things which is challenging to do is to actually work of something remotely. Yeah. And one of the key things with remote operations of machineries, and we talked about building sites before, you can imagine sending a digger to site, but maybe the driver of the digger sits in a control room somewhere and he's, you, can, you, know, you can have people take shifts. You can make the digger work 18 hours a day, but you don't need to send a driver to site for, for all that time. Mm. To be able to work efficiently, again, as, we've, as we talked about earlier, when you press the button, when you turn the wheel or whenever you do something, mm. you need to see immediately what happens. So get, you get that immediate reaction to the things that happen. Yeah, it's like the gaming. You need it to be real mm. time. You need it to be super fast, no lag. Yeah, so if there's a delay between you doing something and you seeing it happen, then it becomes very hard to control and mm. to be able to do fine work and do th kind of those kinds of things. So, yes, that, I mean, there are, and there are multiple use cases you can think about being able to do remote operation, building buildings is one of them. But also in terms of yeah. mining, but also if you're putting in all vehicles onto the road that maybe are automatic, 
but it may be that they're connected to a control centre to be able to take over and do some of the complicated stuff that so parking and manoeuvring in traffic or whatever. Yes. So there are lots of cases that can do that and it comes back to 5G is much better when it comes to lag or low latency than 4G. So 5G and particularly 5G standalone gives you much better support for those those kinds of use cases. So it's a recurring demonstration that you see in trade shows and in other places for the capabilities of 5G and the enabling capabilities that it has for those types of cases. Mm. I just wanted to mention one of the more fascinating one of the demos. It was driving a car in Barcelona in North Spain and driving a car in Berlin or I'd say Berlin across half of Europe. Should we say half? <laughs> Is half that okay? Of that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> and this was a really cool use case. It was a car delivery firm called Vey and they were showing how they could deliver cars to people who rented the cars by driving them there, but remotely. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is a good use case then. I mean, the, the challenge or the irritation when you hire a car, if like me, you have a car and you use it infrequently, then maybe an alternative is to belong to a carpool or to hire a car when you need a car and not actually own a car. Mm. But uh, the irritation then is that if you need a car, you have to go to wherever the car is. So those types of services are much more attractive if the car comes to you. And of course, if if you were to have a service where you put a driver into a car that drove the car to you and then you could get in and drive away with the car, then the driver's stuck there saying, now I need to get back to base to deliver the next one, Mm. which is not very efficient. But if you run that remotely, then of course the service makes a lot more sense. You've got one person can deliver a car and then as soon as they've handed over, they can deliver the next one and the Mm. next one and the next (laughs) one, remote driving. So it's it's a very interesting case and it's one of those things that can actually, because it can change the dynamics of carpools or car rentals as it can actually change the dynamics of car ownership. Mm. And that has a potential societal benefits as well. So another thing that was shown at Mobile Congress and the is on the topic of monetization was fintech. It was also one of those buzzwords going around the event. Can you just quickly describe what it is? (laughs) I think fintech is outside of the mobile industry. Fintech has been a buzzword for a few years now as a hot topic area. And fintech, obviously, fin stands for finance technology. So So it should be fine tech, right? Fintech is fine, but how can we use technology to change how we handle money? And not just with 5G, but if you look back at maybe even starting as early as 3G, perhaps even earlier, one of the things that the mobile network has been able to do in developing markets, particularly in Africa, is change how people handle money. And when mobile networks came to those to, to many countries, a lot of people were still in the cash economy and had no bank account and no way of making banking transactions. And the ability to use the mobile phone together with finance applications has changed the way those people bank or use money. But So instead of being uh, to having to do everything with cash, they can actually have an account that's linked to their phone number and do mobile transactions through their phone. And uh, we happen to have a very strong platform which operators can use for those types of financial services called Mobile Wallet, which is uh, hundreds of millions of people around the world actually use that platform today for doing their financial transactions. But when it comes to 5G, as we go into the new generations, we're of course looking at what's new and what can uh, operators in other markets 
use that kind of capability for their customers and offer services to people for the things that they might want to do in their everyday life for handling their money and money transactions. Yeah, can we just take a very quick step back? Because it wasn't that many years ago that you walked around with your big wallet in one hand and your mobile phone in the other hand. And those two seems to have merged now in the last couple of years, right? Now we're using, at least I am, Apple Pay, Google Pay, those kinds of things, instead of having a lot of plastics. So I guess that's a development that hasn't happened all over the world yet. I think Sweden is fairly well advanced. In fact, I saw something the, just the other day was actually talking about they may be planning to get rid of cash. So, I don't think I've used cash for years. Yeah. Yes. in I think in quite a lot of places in the world, there is still quite a lot of cash in the way things are mm-hmm. bought and sold. And you talked about some of the financial services that are available for the people using their mobile phone. But I think this is talking about the capabilities of instead of relying on a third party supplier, you'd actually have an account that's maybe linked to your mobile supplier and be able to actually handle transactions directly through them because you already have an account with them which you pay them regularly. There's already a financial transaction set up there with a telecom operator. And we're talking about services like, can I use my phone? to send money abroad, for instance. There's many people that move out of their home country and go and live somewhere else, like me, for instance, that are looking and interested in how can I easily send money to relatives and people back home? Can I use my telephone financial services like a credit card? So can I buy now and pay later? Instead of having to have a credit card, can I do actually use mobile financial services for that? And am I able to spend money I don't have? So can I take can I take an overdraft? So actually, really moving into the world of, of banking and the type of services that that a, traditionally a bank has provided, but being able to use a phone as the as your banking terminal. So lots of interesting yep. capabilities there as the operators can move nearer to the banking world. So now we've talked about both the monetization, the topic of monetization at Mobile Congress. We also talked about some topics of <laughs> new services and the way to differentiate the offerings with fixed wireless access or special services to, to both customers and to uh, enterprises. That they can offer. And now we're, we've also talked about actually doing financial things on your phone. Uh, okay, that's it for the monetization area at Mobile Congress then. And we will shortly be back with the last episode of this quadruple four-part series about Mobile World Congress, Paul. About and we're 5G gonna, in the yeah. future. <laughs> yeah, now we're going to talk about the networks. Woohoo! Networks. Yes. Proper 5G. Proper 5G. Yes. With, with bikes and stuff. Yes. We'll be back shortly. And bye. Bye. <laughs> Remember to like, comment, subscribe. If you like this podcast, it really helps. We have a great team of people we're working with, but when it comes down to it, a lot of work is done by us too. And we weren't hired to do podcasting, Paul. We're not. I'm not getting paid for this. (laughs) (laughs) So please, if you want us to continue, give us some good reviews and recommend us to your colleagues. And if you want to contact us, email is best. And which email is it, Paul? 5G podcast at ericsson.com. Ah, you're so great. And, you know, out there, 
We love your suggestions and feedback, so please reach out to us. Ericsson is a Swedish multinational networking and telecommunications company started in 1876 and headquartered in Schiester, just outside Stockholm. We sell infrastructure, software and services in the information and communications technology for telecommunications service providers and enterprises, including, among others, 3G, 4G and 5G equipment and IP and optical transport systems. We employ around 100,000 people and operate in more than 180 countries worldwide. Ericsson has over 57,000 granted patents and has been a major contributor to the development of the telecommunications industry and is one of the leaders in 5G.